Check, they check, check. Hi. This Hello. movie definitely doesn't have anything sexual in it. There's <laughs> no. Nope. This is an extremely, <laughs> this is an extremely chaste, non-horny movie. There are no images of breasts at no, all. No breasts. Uh-uh. No, it, no breasts. I would show this movie to my um, five-year-old niece and two-year-old nephew. It's like a Star Wars, you know, innocent fun for the whole family. <laughs> after uh, after about the 20-minute mark, though, you will need to stop. <laughs> then you stop. Well, it, yeah. it's so weird, because, like, this movie, it, it starts reminding me of, like, 2001, and then it goes into a kind of mystery thriller, and then it goes into a zombie movie. Like, it's a, it's a <laughs> smorgasbord of styles on display here. Hello. Welcome to the Chudcast. We're... A bunch of idiots who decided to watch a really horny movie. Now, um, I enjoyed this film. I mean, you normally do this. Do the fucking intro. What, what <laughs> intro? This is the podcast. It's a horror movie podcast, and we watched uh, the one about horny space vampires uh, tonight. <laughs> with me, I have Gordon, as always. Hi, uh, Gamerine, who is currently a space net in our chat. Uh, I'm the youngest. Brother, no wait. Damn it, I can't do my joke. No, you can't. Yeah, yeah, no. It. That that, and, that uh, joke was awful, and we told you it was going to be awful, and now it is. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> well, we're not trying it. And special tonight, we have two guests: uh, Squid, hello, and Spocktopus. Oh. Hi yo. Uh, both really big fans of Life Force. Uh, we were planning very early on planning some guest episodes, and Squid really wanted to be on this one, so. Uh, we got a twofer because Squid and Spocktopus are both huge fans. And we watched mm-hmm. uh, one hour and 56 minutes of a genre roulette. Like, it, it, there's a lot <laughs> going on. Yeah. There is so much movie. Definitely. Yeah. It's, it's yeah. a slog. It really is. Like, but it's like, it's, well, mm. it, it, it's four, it's four different movies in one. It's, I've, it's the best, it's the best bang for your buck. I felt like I was looking at like a kaleidoscope of several movies while watching it. <laughs> well, it, it reminds me of like they say that uh, like the big blockbusters in India they call them masala films because masala mm-hmm. means a mix, like a mix of spices, because they have to include a bunch of genres. Like it has to have uh, imperiling action and adventure. It has to have a very important romance plot. It has to have musical <laughs> numbers. It has to be funny. Like this is kind of it's a mm-hmm. different set of genres that have to be in here, but it feels like it's checking boxes as far as like we got to cover all these different styles in one film. Um, so it's like. Kind of hard sci-fi, like 2001 and Alien inspired. It's got uh, a medium to low budget vampire porno. It's got a zombie <laughs> apocalypse. It's got a sort of Chud or Q-esque monster mystery. It's so much. It's, it's got sugar, spice, and everything. Nice. Everything nice. And a lot of titties. And this movie was one of those early 80s movies where so many directors and visual artists kind of cut their teeth because it was a Dan O'Bannon special with Toby Hooper directing. It was just like, let's just throw everything against the wall and see what sticks. This feels like really, like, Toby Hooper's a pretty focused guy. Like, he gets his movie idea, he makes it, and it usually works okay. This feels really ambitious, like, compared to other Toby Hooper films to me. <laughs> it feels like it feels like there was a lot of money behind it, too. Like, mm-hmm. this like, like this movie did not skimp on literally anything it could have possibly skimped on, including the breasts, but yeah. also just, like, um, you know, the set design was wonderful, the... Uh, the like character design, the puppetry work for the desiccated corpses, mm. the the special effects for the time were like really nice. They had like 
really big, huge shots at the end of like piles of corpses and a church that was like, man, this looks like it cost a lot of money. And so like, the only visual effect I didn't think really landed was like a few of the miniature shots of London getting blown up. Don't look amazing. <laughs> They're still expensive. Yeah. It costs yeah. a lot of money to do big miniature sets, but these ones blew up kind of like, Oh, okay. Yeah. The budgets, you can hear it creak just a little bit at those points, but Mm-hmm. Oh, God. Should we explain the plot to this movie? Yeah, does this have a plot? It, I guess it does. It, it does. does. It has so it much does. plot. Stupid sexy vampires. Yeah, it's got yeah, it's got it's got so much plot. It has many pairs of plots in it. Typically like one pair of plots. Large one pair of plots too. But um so they yeah, hide the it. long plots. I'm very disappointed with how much they hide the long mm-hmm. plots. There were two long plots that were hidden in this. Well, yeah, I was going to say there's kind of a mm. slender, long, upright plot, and then two two round plots, and then it turns into a doombrella at one point, which was really interesting. It made me think uh, of Lex. Yeah, I was going to say there there is a Lex in this, but I guess my best yeah there is my best short summary of this is that uh, we have the Churchill, which is a Actually, pretty cool hard sci-fi spacecraft going to investigate Halley's Comet. They mm-hmm. find a space wang uh, hidden in the gas cloud around the comet. They board it and take back a dead alien and three seeming, you know, suspended animation humans in crystal cases, which are definitely just like glass or plexiglass, but they said they're force fields. So, you know, you gotta believe them. <laughs> um, it's force fields. Shut up. We see yeah. them take them into the ship and then it skips ahead to the ship's return where they're not getting any response. So they send up the space shuttle Columbia to go check oh, on rip. it. Oh, yeah. yeah. rip. R.I.P. It's just It's one of those things There's where a real fire. strategy is just, just plant seeds of all these things that become terrible later on. It's like, oh, <laughs> oh no. R.I.P. Columbia. But oh, they, they investigate the ship. They find that there's been a fire on board. The crew is all dead, but the uh, suspended animation humans are intact and the escape pod is missing. So they bring them back down onto Earth. It starts a space vampire zombie plague they later Space rendezvous goals. with the escape pod who turns out to be uh the last survivor of the ship and they realize that very bad things are afoot and people are getting uh body surfed turned into zombies and it's all an insidious <laughs> plot by whatever was on the there's, ship. There's, a, there's a fucking zombie nun at one point folks this movie is mm-hmm. great <laughs> this is a really, really compressed summary um there's a good portion of the movie i'd say 50 minutes or so that takes place in basically post-apocalyptic London as people are turning into energy energy zombies and everything's <laughs> on fire. It's a hellscape. It's wonderful. And eventually it ends with spike-based melee combat to defeat vampires. <laughs> yes! yes. Yeah. it iron! There was a secret special ancient w- relic weapon. Yes! Because Inevitable. this is not the first time. Yeah, yeah, that kills the alien vampires. You have to stab Vampire them just below alien. the heart. Two inches That's below the, the one heart. One of the chakra points, right? Like in the solar oh, plexus, God. I think. Yeah, it was a, the secret, like, the energy, zone. energy chakra for the heart. Two inches beneath the heart to the right, you will find the energy chakra to kill the vampire. And Why does the thanatologist know all this shit? His character was wonderful, man. Oh, yeah. Where do you great. find a thanatologist? Like, oh, yeah, we got a deaf guy. He's going to explain most of the plot. He's just here, and he's really cool. Oh, this is this is this specific zombie. Uh, this is fine in this universe. At least I Brits drinking tea. Forces. I have seen yeah. the film. Coincidentally, I already have a theory about this. Yeah. And a melee weapon. Like, <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, I just happen to have this sword that kills them. 
Ah, God. Ah, the male vampires are great. lose their damage resistance against silvered weapons. Like, <laughs> yes. Yes. But you must draw your monster ends. sword for monsters and your people sword for peoples. Yes. <laughs> Carlson was a witcher. Oh, yeah. shit. Uh, Gordon's current display name, which is the ultimate nut, uh, as alluded to by Ice-T, the final level when you... Oh, shit. What's the, what's the description? It was uh, Yeld's came... Farted. What? There was at least one more in the description, but he describes it as the final level. Whoa. Which he also said the final <laughs> level was like peace and enlightenment. So make up your mm. mind, Vice Team. <laughs> <but. laughs> yeah. No, but I, no, but I no, but I called myself the ultimate nut because this movie is ridiculously horny in like every yes. single like every single aspect of its existence, from the way that the aliens look, which is all like hot babes or two hot dudes, but they die, so it's whatever. Um, so it's mostly hot babes. <laughs> yeah, there is this movie. This movie does have two men kissing each other at one point. So oh I yeah, suppose... one of those men was Patrick Stewart. Yeah, one oh, of yeah. those men was Patrick Stewart. Oh my yeah! god! How can we forget that P. Stewart was in this shit, guys? Come on! Like, hypnotically forced to briefly mm. kiss Patrick Stewart. I can't. Okay, I can't yeah. let go. <laughs> Hypnotically, <laughs> right? Mm, I can't look I mean, this, did, this did broke back before broke back. I mean, y- yeah. I the twist was the twist was he wasn't even being psychically coerced. It was just so no, no. to kiss. Mm. I just wanted to. Okay. Yeah. Luscious. <laughs> Stop my Luscious this lips. Has some really freewheeling investigation going on because you've got a guy who <laughs> returned from the spaceship. He's got some vampire in his head, like the, the female vampire got her hooks in him psychically and he's just allowed to do whatever he wants. I think like he, yeah. he rips off a lady's robe. Uh, he, he briefly Frenches Patrick Stewart. Mm-hmm. He has a gun. He can drug people. He can go wherever he wants. He's pretty, pretty much licensed well, to kill. Well, well but he can because he was a vampire astronaut, magical detective. Yes. Yeah. Yes. If you get to that point, yes, you can just exactly. kind of do whatever you want in the movie, yep. I suppose. Yep. Pretty much. Yep. He he had acquired several job titles on the way back from space. <laughs> he stopped by. <laughs> he stopped by the uh, hiring agency on um, Venus and got some mm-hmm. got some more qualifications. Picked up a venereal uh, job. <laughs> the movie is. <laughs> The movie is kind of long. We watched the director's cut, which is one hour and 56 minutes. I think the American theatrical cut was closer to one hour and 40. The director is more like uncut. Yeah, yeah. It Uh, (laughs) feels like it should. I kind of want to watch the theatrical cut at some point now just to see what they cut. How different it was. better with the the length? Kissing Patrick Stewart. Well, with all the breast scenes, they probably cut out about two-thirds of the movie, so... True. So is, is that what's actually the main difference between the director's cut and theatrical cut? Like, is there less? Uh, no, or? I have no idea. Gear, you'd probably uh, know this. The only thing I really know is they, yes, they cut up a bunch of the movie because when they were editing in the U.S., they thought, well, if we get the movie down to like an hour and 40 minutes, we can put in more like showtimes, like theaters in the movie, so more people would go see it. And I think uh, it got it more... seems like a bad call because... Yeah, it is. It's a very artsy, indulgent movie, and I think if you started like hacking up how this movie flowed, even if you made it shorter in a good way, you'd probably ruin the pacing of a lot of it. The the bad pacing that just kind of has to be that way. And some of the folks did. And folks, that is why capitalism ruins everything. Thank you. It does. We can squeeze out how many more showings. So if you made it fifteen minutes shorter, how many? How many? Like. 
extra showings does that get you in terms of a ratio? So the movie is now a hundred minutes long. You got yourself 15 extra minutes. So for every like seven showings, you get one more. I think they had big, big dreams for life force in terms of how many people they thought would go see it. It'll be be playing on every screen and every theater everywhere. (laughs) They should just make Endgame like six movies all 90 minutes long. (laughs) <laughs> well one guy did make endgame like 90 minutes long by cutting out most of the first act and most of the female characters and anything he thought was dumb and he made it 90 minutes yeah yeah because this entire movie was based off of no. a, a novel called the space vampires this was basically just an extrapolation <laughs> i love it ah I can't well, yeah, believe well, something of that like prestigious pedigree mm-hmm. could possibly have any problem space vampires Oh, well, it's like it seems like a very kind of lurid, pulpy premise to go. Oh, it's with, wonderful. But yep. Toby Hooper was being about as artistic as I've ever seen Toby Hooper be. Like it's, it's pretty. Yeah, the alien, pretty the alien spaceship feels like it inhaled most of the budget for the movie. Like just to pull off that practical effect, it was incredible, really. Yeah, yeah. There's there's good like miniature mm-hmm. shots of the external part of it. The internal is nice, uh, gigaresque, oh, yes. uh, kind of organic technology. Yeah, that ship definitely cost them some money. <laughs> the, the big space wing yeah. that opens into an unfolding space bat wing sucker octopus thing that eats yep. souls. Yep. Doombrella. It's the Doombrella. Yeah, I love it. I liked a lot of the sci-fi stuff in this. Like, it has some pretty cool hard sci-fi stuff at the beginning. Like, they talk about how the modified space shuttle-looking ship, the Churchill, it's getting ah, there. man. It's constantly accelerating at 1G, so they have gravity inside. And it. a nuclear yes, reactor. Correct. Yep, and they show it maneuvering. Like, they show the ship turning independently of which way the thruster is going, which is also something you do. You learn about that if you play Kerbal Space Hell Program. Yes. Um, you see in EVA suits, you see some reasonable depictions of, you know, they're, they're vectoring mm-hmm. around. They're using little bursts from the jets to uh, do attitude control. Like, it's some good, some pretty good hard sci-fi at the beginning. I kind of wish there was a version of this movie that was all Dude. Max. I mean, it would fall squarely into alien category, but... <laughs> Which cool. is... Attitude control. Attitude control. I mean, Dan O'Bannon, who wrote the screen spec script for this one, I believe, also wrote alien so it did spiritual successor okay. yeah, here that's where it comes from yeah, i was i was joking with squid lineage. that this is doesn't that guy host the baftas every year yeah <laughs> but yeah, uh, oh, no, that's Darryl Darryl Darryl. Yeah. never mind yeah no dan o'bannon love him dark star another fun movie but anyways uh yeah i was joking with squid that like because toby hooper directed this and dan o'bannon is heavily involved in it too that alien predator and texas chainsaw massacre all share one universe because why the fuck not yeah, I mean, they all kind of follow the basic premise of you've got this this lurking, awful mm-hmm. thing, and it's about everyone's reaction to it and how it came to be, and can you defeat it? How do you defeat it? Um, oh, he also wrote Return of the Living yes. Dead. Yep. Very nice. Yep, which is why we get, you know... Good, good legacy on this Dan O'Bannon guy. This movie has a great pedigree to me. Get... I was going to say, I forgot to mention, like, Toby Hooper was originally offered to do Return of the Living Dead, but he couldn't do it because he was doing this movie already. So Dan Bannon was doing Double Dewey with this and Return of the Living Dead at the same time. And they came out in the same year. So we kind of go full circle back to our first episode. (laughs) Yes. I like it. This is, I don't want to say it was overly fun. It's not a have your buddies over and drink beers while hooting and hollering at the screen type of horror movie. Oh, no. No, 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 no. no. It's not. 
not a football <laughs> no, Sunday. Definitely not a football Sunday movie. This is not a movie you want to sit down and watch with your parents. You know? Why not? Mm-hmm. I would say maybe it's a litmus test. Like you can, yeah, you can locate yeah. other weirdos by seeing if they if they have seen this movie. Like if you see it on a dating <laughs> profile, you know you've got a certain type yep. of brain. Like, you know she freaky. You like space vampires? <laughs> yep, me too. Yeah. <sighs> yeah. That's yeah. important. That, it turns out that's the only compatibility point that matters. Like all the personality stuff, all the other values. No, it's about if you do like life force. Do both of you like life force? Maybe. And then that that she's a keeper. Yep. Yep. Ah, oh, man. God. So we kind of got into look, feel, and sound a little bit just by talking about the... So, you know, Gordon talked about the practical effects, talked about the hard sci-fi stuff. The music. Um, Let's talk about the music. It mostly looks great. The music, <sighs> so the music is... That's the big one that makes me think, like, they had ambitions for this. Like, they wanted this to be their Star Wars. Because it actually does have a pretty grandiose action-adventure film score. Uh-huh. Despite being a horror movie, it's, it's pretty lively. The beginning of this movie because it's like it's like life force. You have that heavy, heavy horn score that you were talking about. Like everything was very much like it. Kind of was. I mean, it's not a perfect movie for God's sakes because that same theme from like the beginning. I remember there's a scene where there's two zombies boarding a helicopter, and you get a wonderful like <laughs> degloving effect. I mean, that just made me like scream at the television again every single time. It gets me. I scream at the TV when I see them. Just like no, which is what the guys in the helicopter say too, which is hilarious. They're just like no. But the, it's so probably who, one of the only scenes I cringe. Yeah. <laughs> so this was Henry Mancini. I'm gonna see what other. Holy uh-huh. God! This guy has done a lot right. of movies. <laughs> oh, he did the '80s. He did two '80s Pink Panther movies, or multiple Pink. Let's see how many Pink Panthers. Like all of the Pink Panther movies. <laughs> um, all of them. Yeah. He did. Yeah. Yeah. This it's a Pink Panther soundtrack in a sci-fi, a horror, zombie, vampire movie. Oh, uh, what else what has he done? I'm just ball. looking for anything. The Great Waldo Pepper? I don't what? Condor Man? Oh. <laughs> this guy's got a storied career. I like it. I forgot about Condor Man. I saw that as a kid. Condor Man. Oh. Man. Yeah, the space vampire uh, bat things were incredible. Like the effects, it was hilarious at the very end though, because you know you have the leaded iron stabby stick thing. Like the whole entire end of the movie, it was just like unraveling completely. Because uh, uh, Colonel Kane, I think his name was, like his character just like kind of like asked questions and then like posed with a gun a lot in the movie, which I loved. But like yeah. towards he's super he's super detective, yeah. And like at the very end of the movie, it's like zombie apocalypse kane just keeps popping into different shots of london where it's just apocalypse behind him and he's just standing there with like gun and leaded sword just like looking around going okay <laughs> where the f- all right all right this, this like, like they had a bunch of b-roll and they just shoved it all together at the end of it just like look how good peter firth looks here fuck there's one kind of person in the world it's a detective with a gun and the sword yes me. Ah, like <laughs> ah <laughs> That's a good portion mm-hmm. of the film. Only one possible timeline for this to be successful. Exactly. <laughs> it's it's kind of sloppy. I can see why it did not go super well critically or financially because it's like this weird art house sexual horror movie <laughs> it with is some a, sci-fi well, elements that kind of fall off as a movie. movie. It's yeah. 80s excess. It's great. It's so excessive in every way. There's a woman. I feel like it makes the most sense as like a cultural artifact. Yeah, yeah, I feel like it, it makes represents the most... a certain period of time. There's a woman yeah. walking around stealing everyone's vital essences. You can't, you can't really. 
it's very it's very arty. You can't you, you can't sell this to the mass public. Uh-uh. Well, one of the one of the interesting aspects of it is that it goes back <laughs> to like some classic vampire stuff that you don't necessarily see anymore in modern vampire fiction. Is that they're supposed to have this like intensely hypnotic sexual presence that they're just irresistible to everyone and that's part of what makes them so dangerous because they can you know turn someone into an agent for them or you'll be unable to fight them in person because you'll just be so entranced by them like they have a lot of fun mm-hmm. with that which i think is cool like you don't see that as much in modern vampire stuff but they they definitely use that to great effect here i mean modern vampire stuff is just love triangles these days so it's whatever <laughs> yeah. Fair. And also children who grow up and fall in love with like your friend uh, who is a werewolf. werewolf. Fuck, I don't know, dude. <laughs> I don't know about any of this. That's vampire fiction uh, for better or for worse. That's what we're saddled with now for that genre. Forever. Forever. It will never go away. No, we need Space Girl to, to represent vampires again, because God Space Girl was great. And I love that that's just if the they... name of the character. Space Girl. <laughs> If they that's her, mm-hmm. I, I ended it too early in the credits. That's serious. Yes, her name? Space Girl that? played by Space Matilda Girl. May. Love her, uh, Matilda May. Well, I, I'm bad at remembering names, so I like it when movies lean into it and just give me like descriptions of characters because that's all I remember anyway. So <laughs> yeah, there's somebody off. in the credits that was just called NASA Man. It's like uh, okay, there was like NASA most Man. of the characters were NASA people. What the fuck? <laughs> Massive men who didn't get an actual name or much screen time. Sorry. Yeah, he's turning a valve. The, the disfavored Nassim uh, man. The, the Steve Bloom playing a character who appears in one scene, like touching a panel in a hallway. Nassim yep. man. <laughs> My overall thoughts in this movie are that it's, it's richly conceived and messy and horny and weird. And you should probably watch it. Like it's not a, a a roaring good time, but it is a very cool thing to just put your brain into for a little while. At the very least. Yeah. Yeah. Like if you like good practical effects, like you got some great animatronics, you got some great uh, like green screen and keying type mm-hmm. effects. You've got miniature shots. And I, I don't know how these were received back in the day, but like that's the main reason people are revisiting it now. Because I was doing a very light research on this, and a lot of the articles I was saying, it's like, uh, Life Force is still a huge visual like tour de force. It's got great effects. It's just good to put your eyeballs on. You know? Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, definitely. Like, uh, especially the early parts of the movie, all the Churchill plot parts, because it's like one of the four movies that you're watching in this thing, because it really is like four movies. There's like the detective movie part, there's the zombie outbreak, plague, insanity, and then there's like horror murder that interties everything together, and then space, which is awesome. I love that. You know, that makes a really good segue. We So sometimes we talk about, could you do a remake or a sequel to this, or could you do some alternate oh, version yeah. of this? When you mention that it's four movies and put it that way, I think if you were ever, if anyone ever touched the Life Force brand again and tried to do maybe a remake or reboot or retelling, I think a TV miniseries would actually work really well for like that. The like I just watched Chernobyl, so that's where my brain's at mm. right now. But like, you do an episode that's mostly the hard sci-fi stuff. You do an episode that's mostly like zombie apocalypse in London. You kind of break it out into those and let those work well on their own instead of being mashed into a film together. I would watch that. Yeah, God, I would watch that Jason Statham was the main character. Like he would uh, be if this movie was remade. He would be Colonel Kane because that's Oh, Kane would be Statham, totally. Yeah. And I would love to hear hear Jason Statham give the the whole entire uh, it's 
it's it starts with one then it becomes a linear progression then the problem becomes exponential and geometric like that quote was just like whoa that was grandiose for exponential and zombie. geometric yeah i was just like whoa Oof. whoa what and That's then zombie apocalypse things all yeah, right like there's some science where would come back and just play himself exactly uh, the same and look mostly the yeah. same too he would look younger honestly God, he's got that stop aging at 52 years old type of thing and he was already bald by that point so he just rolled with it yeah god he see that was 85 so he had to have been like in his late 30s because he's in his 70s now my brain math not good He's 78 yeah. right now, but he looks... He's barely changed. Like, he barely has any wrinkles. Mm-hmm. Jeez, man. Mm-hmm. Like a fine wine. What I was going to say he aged like an eternal golem. <laughs> yeah, that's more accurate. <laughs> you aged like an android that you'd find in a derelict ship, and he's just like, oh, hi, how's it going? Like, that's, that's how Patrick hey. Stewart aged. The bicentennial man. I was a medical man. officer around here, and uh, my crew died. If we didn't have the cultural memory of Star Trek, I would love to see him in that role because, like, everyone's going to pigeonhole him now because they know him as Picard. But he would be—he'd be great in kind of a medium-sized role like that. That'd be mm-hmm. fun. I was going to say it brings to mind, uh, honestly, like uh, if it were to be broken down into a TV, a TV miniseries, something more like an edgy Doctor Who. <laughs> yeah, like they have. I mean, Doctor Who is kind of a a buffet-style science fiction horror fantasy deal. And this is, yeah, I definitely say edgy Doctor Who definitely hits. That's a good description of some of the stuff it tries for. Mm. If you want to go to ending thoughts, I think we kind of covered this movie. This movie was extremely horny. You should watch it, but alone and at night. (laughs) I mean, with no pants. We haven't talked about the horror aspect so much. It's not. There's a like. It, it's, there's a couple of jump scares, but there's really like no dread into it. You know. No. It's more. It's not dread so much. It is like really disquieting scenes because like some of the scenes with like people who've been possessed by the space vampire, like they're trying to exercise them or they're trying to talk to the vampire by drugging them or hypnotizing them. Those get really intense because you've got like a person who is basically a passenger in their own body screaming, trying to get out as there's an yeah. alien intelligence ruling them. That's. Those are un- a little unsettling. Yeah. I, would, I would definitely say there's a healthy dose of cosmic horror, especially oh, yeah. with the waves of people dying as the life force energy God. moved through London. Dude, uh, is this the original film to have a blue laser in the sky like a superhero no, movie? But the, before I forget, there's a, a sequence in the movie that reminds me of another movie, uh, Under the Skin, where the space vampire had like possessed this redhead nurse and was out thotting around trying to get energy or something. And... Uh, like that entire sequence where like she seduces some poor fucking old man. I mean, it was another part of just like the horniness, but it was just yeah, like yeah. I've seen this in another movie now. It's like oh, was that really just lifted? Probably. Like, that sounds like just a small section. It of feels this like movie, it was. Basically. Like that may have inspired the writer of that movie. I mean, this movie is 1985. I mean, it's got a lot of concepts in it. It's kind of a forgotten gem. Like you don't hear about it very much. Like you have to dig a decent amount into either horror or sci-fi to even like find someone who mm-hmm. remembers it distinctly enough to talk about it. It's like I, I think I had read about it like once. Like clicked on the Wikipedia page at one point in my life, and that's all I knew about Life Force. But yeah, it's definitely been buried by the the dust oh, of the ages God. here with so much larger Just, horror and sci-fi so, movies. That so I'm like remember. old enough that when this movie came out, I was two. So when I was seven, I saw it on VHS, 
and it blew my goddamn mind. So that's why I remembered oh, to tell yeah, people about yeah, it. Yeah, I remember it as old magic, you know, but it, it <laughs> may have fucked me up as a person now that I think about it, because I saw it when I was seven. You're, but, you're a carrier for the I am. virus. You're just a, a space vampire infected I am Carlson. Yeah. I don't want to be Carlson. Carlson looked like he was having a bad time. Nah, he got the ultimate nut, though. He did. You know what? In that ending, <laughs> did get the ultimate nut. So who mm-hmm. are we to say? Find Hi, the world. <laughs> <laughs> she listens to this podcast, by the way. That's why I've been really quiet the past few minutes. <laughs> Hello. Thanks for listening to the Chudcast. You can find us on Twitter at Chudcast, spelled C-H-U-D-C-A-S-T. And if you'd like the podcast, please help support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash Chudcast, where we'll eventually be bonus- posting bonus episodes soon as we figure it out and other good content um i'm gordon you can find me on twitter at gordon 1470 uh my co-hosts are rain you can find him on twitter at bro rain our special guests this week are squid who you can find on twitter at oh. squid phils if you'd say something oh uh, i'd rather not okay, never mind. <laughs> you can't you can't find them anywhere they don't exist all right, cool. And also Gear Marine, who is who is watching the uh, premiere of the new COD game on a Nintendo 2DS hooked up to a satellite phone Wi-Fi hotspot on an isolated island, which contains nobody but Gear yeah. Marine. But he's still watching the COD thing. I love them. I can't stop, and they won't. I'll be, I'll be 90 years old still playing these fucking games because I don't know why. Because I have brain damage. <laughs>